This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Digital Health Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Skip Rollins, CIO and Chief Information Security Officer of Freeman Health in Joplin, Missouri. Skip, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for asking me. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about, a lot of happening in technology and health IT, but before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, sure. I am a, a, a grew up in a small town in Southeast Tennessee. I am very fortunate that I kind of staggered into an IT job on, as a part-time job when I was in college, and, and I've been lucky enough to never do anything else for a living. So I, I started in the banking business and and uh, found that after a few years that that wasn't where I wanted to stay and eventually went into healthcare and and I have uh, never regretted that that change and and still am excited to to come to work every day because you can actually feel like you're contributing which is in a lot of industries it's difficult to see your customers and it's difficult to see the impact you have on your customers and I feel like in in healthcare it's very easy to to look out in the parking lot or walk over into the hospital and see the people that you're helping. Absolutely. I think that's such an interesting point. And I know to be in healthcare, you have to be very mission driven. So when you think about your current role as both CIO and Chief Information Security Officer, what are some of the issues that you're following most closely today? Well, you know, Laura, it's, uh, it's always a little different and it can certainly change from day to day. But I would say generically with being the, the CISO, security is always something that we talk about and, and virtually a, a daily basis to to make sure that we're in a posture that makes sense, to, to make sure that we're aware of, of, you know, the legislative things that are going on, the, the, the threat of the day, the, you know, the, the cyber insurance, all those kind of things that are, that are, you know, very time consuming, but yet very tedious to make sure that you're in a good place with. Uh, so we talk about that a lot. And, you know, certainly uh, security probably is the most, uh, the thing I talk about the most, but it's certainly not the thing I like the most. I, I would say that, you know, the other thing that I spend a lot of uh, personal time with, and and uh, and there's a story behind it. I won't take the time to tell it today, but I've uh, I watched my uh, mom go through a long illness, and and I was mortified to see what it looked like from the other side. So, I've been a a very very big patient advocate for a long time. So, when we look at you know what do we look at, I, I spend a lot of time looking at virtual medicine and, and how that can make the patient's experience better. So. Uh, we can call it patient experience. We can call it digital front door. But, but I really believe that how we treat our customers and and what their experience is has everything to do with with the the satisfaction of the the customer and and ultimately their their overall care. Because a a happy customer is most likely a a healthy customer. Uh, so I spend a lot of time with that. And then the last thing I was going to briefly mention was staffing. I, I believe that. All of us, and, and when I talk to my peer CIOs and CISOs, we all have the same problem. It's retaining staff is very, very difficult uh, in this time. Uh, uh, the, the move to work from home or work remote has certainly made it e easier for folks to change jobs. And we've seen salaries increase in a lot of places. And, and we've seen, and, and, and I'm going to say it this way, the loyalty to the company has kind of gotten very, very weak. So we see people change jobs very frequently and, and which for us as, as leaders in the IT department, it's difficult to, to hire people with, with skills and it's, and it's even more difficult to teach them and then see them move, move somewhere else. 
Absolutely. I can imagine that would be really frustrating. And I know even before the pandemic um, in the Great Resignation, there was a shortage of the cybersecurity talent all around and then especially in healthcare. So when you think about recruiting and retaining talent um, for Freeman, how do you really approach that with a strategy? Do you just assume that, you know, some people might be short term or, or do you really approach it to bring on team members that will hopefully stay for the long term um, and really approach the onboarding and, and um, recruiting process that way? Well, you know, I think it's I think it's some of both. And, you know, coincidentally, today uh, we were at a college uh, myself and some of the leaders in the IT department went to college uh, to talk to students today and. And it was really interesting experience because when we advertise for jobs, a lot of times we get very, very few candidates. So I went to the school and, and it's something that had been planned for a long time. And, and so we go in there and, and we're ready to go and we get two people that come to the meeting. And uh, I, I think it, you know, and I told my folks not to be disappointed, but because it kind of reflects what we see in the job market is that for some reason, there's a population of people that are just not really interested in in seeking employment right now. So um, that is probably the hardest part of it. I, I think that when we get candidates, we find people that we can work with and and we find people that we can grow with. They need to be growing and we can accommodate most uh, experienced people. But it's very, very difficult when you when you don't get candidates. And, and I think and that's a universal thing that we're seeing as well. And I don't have any wisdom about why that's happening. But I certainly see it, and, I, and we saw it on that college campus today, and I thought it was really ironic how little a turnout that we had, but but it really reflects what we're seeing generically when we're doing recruitment. So uh, it was disappointing, but it was also, I can't say it was unexpected. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, really uh, kind of with that backdrop of the challenges that you can face in terms of uh, staffing and bringing on great candidates and people who are going to learn and grow with the organization, healthcare delivery is just so dynamic. Um, so when you think about what's possible for disruption, it sounds like there are many different areas um, kind of front of mind that are facing big challenges and hard problems. But what really can be solved by IT? How can can you uh, kind of work with the technology that's available in order to make the organization run more efficiently and, and deliver care um, in a better way? Well, you know, I'm going to I'm going to lean a little bit on what I said uh, initially about customer experience. So, you know, I'm a uh, those of the folks that out there that that know me know that I'm a pretty uh, transparent guy, and and one of the things that that I evangelize about uh, a lot is is uh, the experience our customers have. And, and I see that, in, in my opinion, a lot of times that customer experience kind of starts with our tools that we use within the organization. Uh, we, well, our EMRs are all very thirsty for data and, and they, uh, they cause the physicians a lot of frustration and, and a time, and our customers as well with frustration and time trying to get the information into the EMR that it demands, whether that be related to patient histories and things like that, or if it's billing or whatever it might be, we, we, they're very thirsty for, for data. And, and unfortunately, more often than not, that data has to be entered manually by someone, whether that be a patient or, or one of our customers or, or one of our customers here within the hospital. And I, and I think that that contributes to the dissatisfaction of our patient population because we ask them, no matter what EMR we use, the same questions over and over. And we, we frustrate them when we do that. 
and when they come from uh, for routine visits and, and that, that may recur within a short period of time, we still continue to ask them the same information and ask them to give us the same information. And uh, ultimately, we, we end up with a bunch of customers that are not happy because uh, they're not getting what they want out of their experience. And so uh, from my perspective, the disruptor part of that is I think that we have to find a better way to engage with our customers and find a better way to just simply say you have to live with it, that, that we need all this data and you're going to have to give it to us no matter how much it hurts. And, and I think that you know, in, in trying to satisfy all the things that we try to do in the healthcare world today, that we've, we've created this, this thing that's untenable and, you know, when we we, we throw patient portals at them or whatever it might be that and and I just don't, I think we underestimate our patient population or maybe we make bad assumptions about what they can and or willing to do in order for their experience to work at, a, at a, our health systems so I'm a big advocate of taking care of our patients and I, and I feel like sometimes that in in our efforts to take care of them we, we sometimes make the experience not as good as it could be Got it. That's really interesting to hear. So, you know, when you're looking at what's available right now, being able to take care of patients sometimes requires you to um, request the information that isn't readily available or you're not able to communicate between systems. And so having to collect that multiple times, obviously, is frustrating. So, you know, being able to connect that all together and really building a network that um, is around the patient and really is smart in understanding the patient, um, you know, it sounds like would be a great opportunity to make the experience better for both the patients as well as the clinicians. I agree. And, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that anyone is doing anything wrong. I'm just saying that the environment today lives off of data and, and, and gathering that data, unfortunately, is our customers and and then our, our most valued employees are our, our partners and physicians and, and their staffs that they leave frustrated because of that. And, and that's, a, that's not what we want. So in trying to solve that problem, uh, you know, we look at it, uh, Freeman looks at it just like all the other organizations do, is how can we make that experience better? What can we do to make it more palatable? You know, and, and I, I'm... I'm not a big uh, proponent of saying that the patient portal is the answer because statistically, if you look at it, the patient portal is only used by half if somebody is really doing an outstanding job, only half of their customers use it. Well, that, and that's honestly, that's usually most, their most healthy people because they understand how to use the patient portal. So their older, sicker people don't use the portal so they don't get the value from it. And that's the very people that you need to use the portal. So we have to find a way to shift that dynamic. We have to find a way to make it easier for them to get access to the information and to provide information. And I just don't think we do that very well in healthcare right now. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I appreciate you going through that with us, Skip. And before we wrap up our conversation, I have one more question. What are the top challenges that you're preparing for over the next year or two? Well, for me, and I am going to speak about Freeman generically here a little bit, but for Freeman as is a community health system, and I would say very, very typical to most community health systems in that Freeman tries every way we can to maximize our investments. Uh, Freeman has been on the, EM, the same EMR that they're on now for since the late 1990s. Uh, there was a big upgrade in the uh, 2011 before I became, or I'm sorry, 2012 before I came to work at Freeman. 
But now we're at a point where we feel like we've got all we can out of the EMR that we have, and it's time for us to move to a different platform. So that challenge for us has been um, a difficult one because, as you can imagine, spending the kind of money it takes to, to install a new EMR at, at an organization our size is, is something that we don't want to do very often, and we, we call it a 10- to 20-year investment. And so that's what we're looking at. So that challenge um, set aside the disruption in the organization, but just, just the, the financial burden that it puts on the organization uh, is difficult. So, and for us, we see that as a two-year journey because it, it is a, a lot of work. Um, so that, that is certainly one part of it. And, and I would say uh, the other part of it is, is to make sure that when we do that, that we, that we make sure we do it the right way and we make sure that we do it in a way that, has, that, that results in our customers having a better experience. So uh, that EMR challenge for us is, is something that we've been talking about for years. As, and again, like most community health systems, we don't make knee-jerk reaction decisions. We, we, we approach them from every angle, we analyze them as much as we can, and, and we try to make smart fiscally uh, decisions and we try to make smart business-wise decisions. So uh, that for us is a big deal, and, and uh, we, we'll be working on that really hard. And, and the other thing I would say uh, in the next couple of years is certainly the evolution that we, we, we think we're going to see in the way virtual medicine works and, and how, we, how we work with our patients and, and take that experience into their homes and, and uh, do much more monitoring and engaging with our patients while they're actually at their home. Uh, those are the two things that I think we'll be spending most of the time on in the next couple of years. Absolutely. That is so interesting to hear. So having that EHR finally getting a change um, after about 10 to 20 years in thinking that the next system will last just as long, and then the virtual um, medicine component of things as well. When you're having these conversations with the CEO, CFO, and other C-suite leaders, what are they like? How, um, how do you work with them in order to make sure that these investments are going to be able to stick and really make sense for a healthcare system that is, might even be hard to imagine 10 to 20 years from now? Well, I think that, that you have to involve uh, the, the uh, physicians in, in healthcare with certainly. But I think that you know, for us, uh, we spend a lot of time with our organization to make sure we have support and buy-in from the folks that are going to be actually using the tool, as long as as long as well as the folks that are going to be having to implement the tool. So we're be, be, uh, we want to get consensus, we want to get buy-in, we want participation from all those groups to make sure they have some ownership in what we're going to do, and under and they also understand what the outcomes are going to be and why we're going to go down that road and take that journey together. Because it, it does take everyone to do it, and, and it, you know it's much more than a village; it's a, a community to do it. And so we we believe that uh, when we talk about the project, we talk about it holistically, and how we as an organization can take advantage of of the new tools and how we can maximize the use of the new tools, and that ultimately you know ultimately makes makes the health system better, and and it makes our patients experience better. Fantastic. Well, Skip, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you.